0: i Rich Dicchetti, a senior partner of the Stevens Group. The Stevens Group is sponsoring this podcast series with our, our partner ComPro.biz. Our guest today is Andrea Johnston. Andrea is president of W2O Pure. Andrea founded Pure Communications in 2004 and in September 2016, W2O acquired Pure Merged its operating company, BrewLife, with Pure and appointed Andrea as president of the combined entities. Prior to founding Pure, Andrea's career included roles with DeVries Public Relations, DuPont Merck Pharmaceuticals and Medical Imaging, Bayer Diagnostics, and Ketchum Public Relations in DC. She is a graduate of American University in DC and holds an interdisciplinary bachelor's degree in communications. Law, Economics, and Government. Among the topics Andrea and I will discuss over the next 45 minutes or so, is the role of public relations professionals human insight, judgment, instincts, and ingenuity continues to play in the age of the meteoric rise of big data and all things digital. So without further delay, I bring you Andrea Johnston. Well, hi Andrea. Um and thank you for joining us today.
1: Oh, Rich, thank you. It's my pleasure.
0: Um, before we begin um uh, you know, getting into the weeds, so to speak, on, on our conversation for for our listeners who 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 don't know you um or know of you but don't know your background. I wonder if you wouldn't mind giving us a, a brief um, recap of your career um, up to, say, the point where you, you sold a Pure to a W2O.
1: Sure. I'd be happy to. So, I have been in the life sciences communications industry for going on 26 years now. I I'm one of those folks who have had the opportunity to work on both the client side and the agency side. I started my career in Washington, D.C., really focused on issues management and more kind of crisis communications, um, really found that I loved the world of communications, the strategy, the intellectual challenge of it. I really love healthcare. It's... Definitely a world where you can use what you learn every day. I have found it very empowering in terms of navigating the healthcare system and just better understanding different diseases. So it's, it's really been a passion of mine to work in healthcare. So I had the opportunity to work on both the agency side at places like Ketchum, where I had a wonderful experience. I actually worked at Ketchum twice um, at DeVries an independent agency in New York City doing more of sort of the consumer healthcare world. And I was also a client. I worked at DuPont Merck, both in US pharmaceuticals and in medical imaging. And then I was also at Bayer Diagnostics. So I had the opportunity to really see a broad spectrum of marketing and communications in action. I had the chance to be a service provider and also manage agencies. And I really decided that I wanted to start my own firm in part because I saw a gap in the agency world specific to being able to work with biotech companies and smaller organizations at the early edge of innovation. Um, and I also really wanted the opportunity to create a culture and sort of a value that was a little bit different than some of what I had experienced um, in my agency and client career. So that led me to start Peer Communications. And we grew very quickly. I was really fortunate having been on the client side. I had a number of relationships and friendships over the years of folks who had gone on to run marketing or be executives at different biotech and pharma companies and was able to grow our firm uh, to about 25 people. And then we kind of got to the point where I felt like the next chapter for integrated communications was really Digital and analytics-driven, and that was going to take a pretty big investment to make it happen. And that is then when we decided to determine what other strategic options might be available and enter Jim Weiss and the W two O crew. Um, and it's been an amazing yeah. merger ever since. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The you know I noticed um, in in reading your 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 bio that. Um, you have a very interesting uh, academic history. You uh, you possess what um, is referred to here in in print as an, an interdisciplinary bachelor's degree in communications, law, economics, and government. So <laughs> that that that's about <laughs> as complex a major as, as as I've ever seen, and and. I wonder if there's something about the way in which you you, you view the world um, that drew you to W2O as, uh, as, a, as a business partner. Because I'm sure, given the way you just described Pure, there must have been a laundry list of, of, of good firms that would have loved to have gotten their, their hands on your firm. Why, Why W2O?
1: Well, it was really a combination of things. I think I kept running into Jim Weiss um, and Jen Gottlieb over the years. Sometimes we would even pitch against um, one of the, the brew life group within W2O Group. So they were well known to me. I was very impressed with what Jim had built. I mean, Jim started W2O Group, then Weisscom, about three or four years before I started Pure. And I looked at what he had grown and what he had built over time and the risks that he had taken. And I really respected that, especially having become an entrepreneur myself. I understand what it Mm, takes to make something like that happen. I mean, it's really an Mm -hmm. extraordinary thing what Jim has done. Um, And then you had Jen and what she was building um, on the East coast and how they had grown from a pharma perspective. So having already known them and known the people that they were, their commitment to client service, the kind of culture that W2O Group had. It was really a very natural next step. And I yeah. think that that entrepreneurship that is sort of the undercurrent at W2O, which was the undercurrent in yeah. Pure, was really a critical part of that.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, what, 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 what interests me, too, is that healthcare um, in general, um the healthcare industry in general is a uh, heavily re- heavily regulated industry as everyone knows and um the um, the range of services that that p r firms could provide back when when I was in the agency business um has changed dramatically and um and there's so much more that that public relations firms uh, are now able to do. Uh, when you listen to Jim's description, Jim Weiss's uh, description of of, uh, of W2O, he refers to the to the agency as as a uh, as a healthcare focused, multidisciplinary, marketing communications firm. So again, as I was saying before, it plays back to, you know, your, your propensity to, to like the inter, interdisciplinary approach to problem solving. But um, I wonder if you could help us a little bit here and give us a little insight into the way in which pharmaceutical companies or, let, let's say, companies in, in that category whether they're equipment manufacturers, drug manufacturers, et cetera, um, what they are, uh, and how they're how they're engaging the services of W two O, and how is it different than the way in which those companies were engaging Pure when you first started the firm twenty uh, some years ago or more?
1: Sure. So. You know, the way I like to think of W2O is that we are a leading independent provider of analytics-driven, digital-first, marketing services, and communications to the healthcare sector, and I think that's really important because analytics plays a big part in everything we do. The world is now digital, and really, PR is a component of the overall marketing and communications mix. So I think we really do see ourselves through that lens, and that also really helps when you think about how pharma is engaging us versus how they may have historically. I think we are now in a place where marketing and communications can touch everything from clinical trial recruitment to data communications as drugs are in development to working with patient advocacy and outreach to different stakeholders in the patient communities, to working with them on brand development and brand positioning, to working with them on payer, pricing, access. All of those are very hot topics obviously in the industry. So I really think that communications and marketing have become so strategic and so critically important to the industry as a whole. And I think that that's definitely evolved over time. Especially as more and more of a spotlight is put on how our industry operates, the incredible innovation that is coming out of r and d when you look at things like gene therapy and gene editing and CAR T and oncology. it's just an incredibly exciting time to think about the impact we are having on diseases and on the opportunity for improved quality of life, longer lives. I mean, it's just really an incredible time, I believe, um, in healthcare from that standpoint. When you compare that with how pharma or biotech may have engaged pure specifically in the past, I mean, our agency was really specialized as a corporate communications firm. So we were pretty well known for our ability to launch a venture capital-backed firm and do their brand identity, maybe do their first website, help them with their investor relations activities, work with them on developing their narrative, things of that nature. And one of the things that was frustrating to me is we might then work with a company for four or five years and then they would get to that point of being ready to bring their first product to market and they might then move on to a W2O-like agency because we didn't have the services or the expertise or the geographic footprint to be able to support them in that next chapter of growth. And one of the oh. things that's been really rewarding at W2O is the ability to now really work with those clients throughout their life cycle and maturity as organizations. And I think that's really exciting because you know ultimately what we wanna be able to do are bring these important medicines or diagnostics or medical devices to patients and it's really wonderful um, that we can be a part then of the full journey.
0: Well, let me let me ask you this. Um and I know you don't have a crystal ball. But um as you're looking at your business today um and you're looking at where it's heading tomorrow, um what advice might you have to any um well, let's say public relations agency or communications agency owner who's, who's listening to this podcast um, about what you would recommend they do to prepare for uh, the future if they haven't already done it. Or if they have, uh, Let's. this is a two-part question, if they haven't, what should they be thinking of doing and doing and if they have, where do you project? Uh, where do you project it going in terms of the use of big data for, uh, in order to provide the services that uh, your clients uh, will are demanding and will continue to demand of you?
1: All very good questions um, and a lot there, so let me see if I can make it sure I,
0: I, I know, know it is. I, I apologize. <laughs> Take your time. I <laughs> know. <no, it's> <laughs> answer one at a time, oh. and I'll go back, and <laughs> I'll, I'll ask the second part of the question again.
1: No, this is good. Um, I think my it's, my thought about the future um, is definitely that everything is, is converging from a digital perspective, um, Jim Weiss likes to call it the appification of healthcare, and I think that's yeah. a really interesting term, right? Because how much of your life yeah, do you is. now mm-hmm. manage through your phone? Right? Everything is an app on your phone. So whether you're yeah. calling an Uber, yeah. whether you're banking, whether you're booking your travel, everything is done through that mobile device. And I think mm-hmm. healthcare has got to be right there with it. So whether it's your insurance provider, whether it's your hospital system, whether it's your primary care physician, I think we're seeing this convergence where everything has to move toward a more digital, ease of use, patient-centric focus, um, just as we've seen other industries converge in that digital format. So I really think that is going to continue to be where we're driving toward. um, And it's gonna be important for all of us in our industry to be savvy about digital, to be savvy about how and where those applications can be relevant. I also mm-hmm. think from a public relations standpoint, we've historically defined PR as really earned media, you know, media relations, going out and pitching reporters. Yeah,
0: and sure.
1: I think that's still going to be important. I think that's always going to be a core focus for PR, but I think it's going to be critically important that as practitioners we are truly thinking in the context of PESO, paid, earned, shared, and owned. I think you have to be conversant and able to counsel clients on the role of paid media, with earned media, with shared, and with owned, and really understanding which channels Mm. can contribute where and how they work together to really amplify a brand narrative. To me, that's going to be really critical to remain competitive and successful and also to do right by clients. You've got to be able to Mm -hmm. speak across the the peso spectrum.
0: Well, this may not be a a fair follow-up question uh, because I know you focus um, the lion's share of your your time and attention in in the healthcare space. But would you say uh, that what you're describing to be the case for the healthcare sector is also true for virtually any other category of business that a public relations practitioner might be working in. In Thank addition, you, Rich, other, I, other than it could be, you know, completely uh, different could be than healthcare, care. Yeah. Banking. Could consumer totally, products.
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah, Rich, I really do. I think it is relevant for, Every industry, but I think the reality is other industries that are less regulated, more in like the consumer products world or entertainment world, they're already adopting that and embracing it. I think because to your earlier point, healthcare is such a regulated industry, there has been hesitancy to sort of get fully immersed in social or... To fully appreciate how owned can play a role, and I think that's what's actually really exciting because we are learning lessons from other industries, and we're able to apply that, you know, within the regulatory confines now to healthcare. Mm -hmm. But I do think healthcare has a tremendous amount of, you know, upside there in terms of being an, you know, a late adopter on some of the. Shared, owned, social, paid components—they've always been, I think, very mm-hmm. understanding of earned. But it's sort of these other channels where there's a lot of room for growth.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the, uh, the it's, it, it kind of begs the question for for me. Um, those of us who who spent our careers in in the public relations business rely very much on our. This is somewhat amorphous but it, it it it's very true i believe uh we relied a great deal on our instincts we relied a great deal on our judgment we relied on talk about amorphous we we relied a great deal on our creativity um with with the a, a with with these new tools might we be at risk of relying too heavily on big data analytics No. and less on our instincts and judgments?
1: I'm so glad you asked that question. Um, <laughs> my answer would be firmly no um, for a few reasons. I think, number one, communications and strategic communications in particular will always be about instinct, judgment, and your gut. And your ability to be creative. I think that that is absolutely still a fundamental component of successful strategic communications, and that comes from experience and it comes from seeing the world. I think that that said, what is wonderful about data and analytics, you know, which once upon a time was just market research, is it gives you insight and information into how your customer is feeling or how other stakeholders. Are feeling or what they're looking for but in order to take data and translate that into an insight it requires judgment it requires instinct so data is data but it's our ability to interpret that and come up with action and programming where you're still engaging those fundamental qualities that make for a successful marketer and communications professional that gut that mm. instinct that creativity
0: that makes sense oh yeah well it makes up it makes a hundred percent sense and uh, for someone who's been around the business uh, a long time it it's a relief to know that um <laughs> I, i'm not yet a dinosaur um not at all uh, <laughs> l- 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 let me <laughs> yeah, uh, thank you andrea um but um let, let me um uh I don't want to get into the weeds here, but let, let me ask you this, uh, if you wouldn't mind, could, could you give us um, an example of what you're talking about—a a case history uh, where sure. you apply the the, uh, the capabilities, uh, the analytical, the big data capabilities of the W2O with the the instincts of a of a of a of a, a world class pro like yourself.
1: So, you know, I think there's a couple of different ones, I would say, from a a great example of putting analytics into insight, into action. We worked with a client um, who was trying to enroll a clinical trial in ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease. And we recommended doing some analytics to take a look at How patients were engaging online, how they were talking about their diseases, how they were talking about treatment. And, you know, no surprise, we learned a lot. (laughs) When you listen to, you know, your customers, again, you can get some really good data. And so we took the insights that we got, which were largely around a couple of the different ways in which they were describing their diseases, the way they characterized them the way they thought about treatment versus clinical trials. Many of these patients saw clinical trials, in fact, as a last resort. So what we also learned was that they were bringing a lot of emotion and humor to the discussion of their diseases, which then influenced how Mm -hmm. we thought about the creative to support a campaign to engage Mm -hmm. for clinical trials. It also demonstrated that they were very active on Facebook and Twitter, And so how we would then communicate in those particular channels and the kinds of words we would use, the tone we would take. Um, And at the end of the day, all of that informed the campaign. The campaign was very successful, and the client was able to enroll their study quickly following the launch of that campaign, which, you know, is really the goal. And at a very good cost um, per person. So, I think it's just one example of where the analytics really helped us identify some data points around the way patients Mm -hmm. were identifying their diseases, the way they were talking about their disease and their treatment experience, and the way they were thinking about clinical trials, which then allowed us to develop recommendations and informed a campaign that included the language we were using to talk to patients, the creative that we were using to appeal to them, and the channels that we were using to engage with them.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, which is very interesting, and uh, I take it um, that uh, this this program was run while you were. Um, a a group leader um at uh at W two O and not, not at Pure, correct?
1: Yes, it was um being run within W two O group. Yes.
0: It and, was. Yeah.
1: Yep. Mm-hmm. And so I don't wanna let, overlook say, your
0: Yes, please, I'm sorry. Okay.
1: No no, I was just gonna say I didn't want to overlook your other piece of that question which was really around, you know, where oh, do please. instincts and judgment come in and So I think this is a great example of creativity and being able to Mm. take data and analytics and then respond to it with a creative approach. I also think it was very strategic in terms of being able to help them achieve their clinical trial enrollment goals. But I think that every day we're seeing um, executives really struggle with what should I tweet, how should I tweet, should I even be on Twitter? If you look at corporate LinkedIn channels You know, is this appropriate content? Is it not? Should we be weighing in on this? So I still think in the world of digital and social, that gut instinct and that judgment call is more relevant than ever before because you could talk to a reporter and maybe they never even use a quote. Maybe they never even cover you in the article. But when you go out on Twitter, when you go out on LinkedIn, when you go out on any of these channels, that pretty much lives forever. And that sentiment is there, you are then, think of all the celebrities we've seen, (laughs) you know, kind of fall apart because of things they put out there. So it's so important because that becomes a direct voice and channel for those individual leaders and for their companies. So I think that more so maybe even than ever before, that judgment call, that gut instinct Becomes very important in how we counsel clients, but then we also have the data and the benchmarks to support it. But it's that immediate instinct of would this be a good or bad thing?
0: You're, you're already uh, have you have you completed your answer? I want to give you the full yes. time you need yeah. because this is important uh, area to cover. Okay, um, you 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 have the good fortune of of and as as does your firm of uh, being um a leader um of of this agency that is arguably um one of if not the great success stories in the in in the PR world and uh, well I should say the multidisciplinary marketing communications world. Shouldn't I <laughs> um, Yes. Well uh, done Rich. Seems, well done. Yes. <laughs> uh well uh well actually you know looking at your at looking at your website um uh, jim weiss um your c e o um uh, does a a very interesting video where he he talks about the firm um your typical intro video on the home page of a website and and jim um doesn't mention the word public relations and and, and to find it you go into the website and among the list of things that are uh, listed under services, you find among perhaps 10 or 15 other uh, services you provide the word public relations. So um, you certainly have, have, have morphed. And and the reason I'm curious about this and and the reason I even mention any of this is because the vast majority of people who will be listening, uh, who will listen to this podcast um won't have the benefit of of being part of an organization like W2O as you do and so they still though are faced with those of those of whom are are involved in healthcare uh specifically to the points you may in any category of business that they may be dealing um they are going to now be facing clients who expect this service um and we're seeing it happening uh, in our business at the Stevens Group, where we're seeing this happen across the board. The clients are asking for the services that you already have in-house and are expert at. Um, what advice would you have to an, a, a public relations practitioner who may not have the the kind of resources, and very likely doesn't, have the kind of resources that W2O has, what do they do um, when they're asked by clients to provide um, data, evidence, evidence, you know, quantifiable evidence to support their instincts, uh, to support their judgments, to, to, to support their recommendations, but it isn't right there in the office down the hall. What do you suggest they do
1: So I think that there's a couple of things I would suggest um, traditional PR practitioners to do in that situation as they think about the long-term growth opportunities for their firm. I think, number one, if you want to be really expert at something like earned media and that's all you want to do, that is okay. There's still a role for that. There's still a place for it and then you can form alliances or partnerships with a firm who specializes in analytics or specializes in digital. So I don't think it's you know, outside the realm of possibility where you can still be successful doing what you do really, really well in a single vertical if you have those relationships where you can then refer a client or partner seamlessly with them for clients to provide the other components of the service. I think it becomes difficult to then scale that as your clients get bigger, as your firm gets bigger. But I think at a certain size, that is an absolute solution and way to go about being able to meet the needs of your client along that entire chain. So that's Mm -hmm. one, I think, strategy and option. You know, I think the second is if, you know, there are obviously a lot of entrepreneurs like Jim Weiss out there, maybe none of whom have been as successful in taking the kind of risks he's had and made the kind of investments he has made. I mean, I definitely want to give he and Bob Pearson and Jen a lot of credit because, I mean, Jim was investing in analytics before anyone else in healthcare even knew what analytics were. Yeah. I mean, he started mm-hmm. that investment a good 15 years ago, and he really built something, you know, from a proprietary analytics capability perspective something nobody else really has. And he drove that internally and really was able to work with clients on the tech and consumer side to really help develop it, validate it, test it. You know, Bob Pearson, his tech background was obviously really important to that as well. So, I mean, I think wow. that that just demonstrates it's not something you can go out and create overnight. Jim's been investing in that for a very long time. And I think the acquisition of market teching, and their social analytics contributed even further to that in 2016. But that's been you know, a long time effort and quite a vision that Jim had in order to be able to create that. So I do think for others who are finding that they're at a crossroads and they need that, like I said there, are, I do believe plenty of opportunities to create strategic alliances and partnerships But then I think being able to think about is there a strategic opportunity to merge with another organization or to find a home that can help support your growth and help you achieve your goals. I mean, you know, I was very driven. I wanted to continue to grow. I wanted to make sure we could meet our clients everywhere they needed them. So for me, an opportunity like a W2O merger made a tremendous amount of sense. And I think that that's, you know, Obviously, an option that is on the table for different firms um if you can find a like minded partner
0: well if if you but when you made the decision um, and you and and you uh, did sell sell your firm to w two o and you arrived there, were you already up to speed or did you feel for a while that you were something of a fish out of water until you were able to catch up with the with what, what, well where where you found yourself where you found yourself after you sold your business. Um, they were obviously bigger and they had already made the investments in things that most other firms, if any, had had made uh, in terms of analytical sophistication. How long did it take I, you I, to get up to speed on that? And 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 was there an intimidation factor in terms of what it was you were facing when you when you arrived at their front door?
1: Uh, yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was, you know, from the outside looking in, you think you understand something, you think you can appreciate <laughs> what so they have, true. but until you get inside, you really have to And uh-huh. I have to tell you, it was it was kind of mind-blowing, um, for lack of a better term, to come in here and just see the capabilities and the talent. You know, because as we said before, data is one thing, but it's your ability to identify that insight and action yeah. that is game-changing. Yeah. So to see mm-hmm. the data and analytics capabilities, to see the digital capabilities, and keep in mind that when we were acquired, within two months, Marketech and Sentient were both acquired. So w yeah, was rapidly yeah. adding to their analytics and digital. Yeah, so, yes, yeah. it was a lot of um, – I would definitely say I was intimidated in the beginning because I was trying to learn as much as I could. Then we had these other new firms that became part of the mix, and they had incredible talent and incredible capabilities. So for me, it was definitely a little bit of drinking from a fire hose and in full transparency, <laughs> but um, but I loved it. And I think yeah. a lot of the people on my team really loved it because – Having been in this industry for going on 26 years, there were points running my own business where I felt like I was just doing the same thing on a different day. And I didn't feel like I was necessarily continuing to grow and continuing to learn. And I think many people get to a senior role in any consulting or firm environment and that can be a challenge. What I love about W2O and the fact that we are always innovating and going after something new and learning about a new element of marketing or communications is there's it's it's your challenge constantly and you're learning constantly. It is truly a learning environment. So yes, it was challenging first coming in to wrap my hands around everything. Um, there are still days where I'm, like, blown away at something really cool that the developers are working on or some new aspect yeah. uh, of our analytics. <laughs> it's great, I but, uh, you know, yeah. if, if yeah. you love that, this is the place for you, and I happen to love that.
0: Well, uh, even as consumers, I think we're all blown away by what what, what the next thing is that we, we have to own in order to stay in touch with one another yeah. or, or, or what apps we, we need. I have one last question for you if you don't mind um you've been and it's it's, it's somewhat it's related and, and and somewhat unrelated um you've been very active um, as a as a, a supporter uh, as a big supporter and you will be honored shortly uh for your role um as a as a hero of of, of women in the workplace. And um, I wonder if you uh, wouldn't mind sharing uh, with our listeners uh, your thoughts on that subject. I, I know that's a very broad question. I'd like to narrow it down. Um, perhaps I can. Um we're, we, we find uh, that public relations is a is a industry category that where uh, there seems to be a, an even mix. Perhaps even an imbalance in, in, in favor of women in terms of numbers of women who are communications, public relations practitioners. Um, what, what are your thoughts on on that, and and uh, why is that a good thing? And uh, and in general, what what are your what are your thoughts about the current state of women in business and where that ought to go? Uh, looking ahead uh, down the road a long ways.
1: Sure. So, you know, what I think is particularly interesting for me is having been on the client side, where it was more male-dominated, especially at the executive and senior levels, and having worked on the agency side, where you're absolutely right, it's uh, a lot of women who work in communications in particular, I was incredibly fortunate On both sides to have amazing mentors and managers both men and women who taught me a lot and who supported me and I think one of the big reasons why when I started my own firm I wanted a certain culture and I wanted to create a situation that would be you know very embracing of women and of talent period but in particular women I had just had my second child and had decided I wanted to start my own business, and was struggling with the real things moms struggle with, which is, you know, daycare. How am I going to manage work and life? I'm starting my own business. Am I crazy? You know. And I was also fortunate to have, a, you know, a very supportive husband. But I think when I started Pure, a couple of the things I did right from the outset was have a really flexible work from home policy. I have no problem, and still do not to this day, with people working remotely. I don't care if you are living in you know, a remote part of Florida or if you are in Minnesota and we don't have an office. If you are talented, I want you on my team. And I believe that talented people yeah. and driven people will bring their best selves to work every day, whether it's from home or in an office. And I will say, Jim Weiss, absolutely shares that DNA. It was a big part of his early founding days and continues to be, you know, that we embrace that. So I believe that women in business, it's important to support each other. It's important to build each other up. I think sometimes it's unfortunate that because there can be There is a perception that there are only a few roles open to women at a senior level. It creates an unnecessary sense of tension, competitiveness, and hostility. And sometimes we can be our own worst enemies with that. And that's why it is so important to support each other and help each other. Um, I think that that is really critical for women to continue to succeed. And so that the women who are senior are helping pull the others up and mentor them and teach them the way. And hopefully, it will continue to be a situation where women don't have to choose between family and career, but you can, in fact, have them both and have them both be very rewarding. I think what I love at W2O is, you know, I was able to offer a flexible work from home schedule. I couldn't have the best maternity leave (laughs) because we were a small company, but at W2O, we are able to offer a great maternity and paternity program. We actually offer a fourth trimester program, which was actually just highlighted in the media for parents coming back to work after being on leave to make that transition. And that's incredibly valuable, um, I, I can say, especially as a mom where you know, you're know you bonding with your baby and then you're trying to make that transition back to work. So I'm really proud of what we're doing to try to really support women in the workplace. We actually just launched WOW, the Women of W2O group, um, another program that we're doing here, W2O is also Becoming more and more involved in the Healthcare Business Women's Association, and I think the work that they do and their focus on gender parity is so important. So, you know, I think it's everything from the little things in terms of how we work as teams every day, and our ability to support and nurture our young women and our young men. I think it's important to really build those bonds across genders in order for everyone to win. Um, so. To me, it's those little things, and it's also the opportunity to participate in the bigger things like what HBA does, which is going to be also very important for the continued success and to have a continued pathway for women.
0: Andrea Johnston, uh, I want to thank you uh, for your insights and uh, for being our guest today on the PR Master Series podcast.
1: Thank you. Really appreciate it.